Thanks for tuning in for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church of Imperial Valley. We would love to help you plan your visit, so we encourage you to visit our website at www.cccciv.org for service times and our events calendar. Or get the app. You'll find the Christ Community Church IV mobile app in your app store for Apple or Android devices. If you have your Bibles, will you open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 6? We're going to jump off today's message in Genesis chapter 6. While you're turning there, if you're here this morning and you finished all of your Christmas shopping, I want you to raise your hand. All right, look at these people. There's some that are really on it, huh? Now, how many of you who saw those people raise their hands saying that they're finished hate those people? Raise your hands. Right? How many of you have a person in your life that has everything and they're really difficult to buy a gift for, right? What do you get the person who has everything? It's very difficult to do, isn't it? Now, as difficult as that is, I think that it's even more difficult to be the person that has everything, that has unending resources, to be able to find a gift to give to someone that communicates some sort of sacrifice or worth. Does this make sense? It's one thing to have someone in your life that they're difficult to buy for because they've got everything. But it's another thing to be the person that has everything and to not really truly be able to communicate love or appreciation because everybody looks at the gift that you've given and says, well, you know, you've got all that money or you have all those resources. What's the big deal? It really doesn't communicate much sacrifice. This is the boat that the Lord is in when it comes to communicating his great love for us, what can someone give to show appreciation and sacrifice when they have everything? This is the story of the cross. We've been going through this series through the Gospels, this overview through the Gospels, and today we're coming to the topic of the cross, the work of the cross, and really this is what the cross is for you and for me. This is God's way of communicating to you and to me his appreciation and his love for us. What can someone give who owns the cattle on a thousand hills, who made all of creation, everything that you see, that has endless and boundless supply and storehouses, what could he possibly give to show and to communicate love and appreciation for you and for me? He gave his son on a cross. The cross was that expression of appreciation. Now, what I want you to do this morning is what we're going to do is we're going to look at the cross from a couple of different angles. The first thing we're going to do is we're going to look at different types of the cross. There are way more than just three types of the cross, but we're only going to go through three types of the cross here this morning. Right? And what is a type? A type is kind of like a foreshadowing. Those of you who maybe have studied literature in the past, you know, you find the author sometimes will give hints of what's going to come or what's going to happen next, what's right around the corner. And all throughout the scripture, God has given us a little trail throughout the Old Testament and then into the New Testament and its fulfillment at the cross. He's given us this trail saying that the cross is coming. The sacrifice is coming. Jesus, the Son of God, is coming. And so we're going to begin by looking at the first type. If you're taking notes, if you have your outlines, you can pull those out. If you're following along at home, you can take notes there. But the first type we're going to look at of the cross is the type of the ark. The ark is a type of the cross. 
Many people know the story of Noah, even people who don't attend church regularly, people who aren't a part of a fellowship or maybe haven't even cracked the Bible. They know the general story of Noah and the flood and the ark and the animals two by two, right? These are stories that we're familiar with, but I want to take a look at Genesis chapter six a little bit more in detail this morning so that we can see exactly how the ark was a hint, was a picture, was a type of the cross which was to come. You following me? So Genesis chapter 6, pick it up in verse 5. It says, The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart were only evil continually. And the Lord regretted that he made man on the earth, and it grieved him to his heart. So the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I've created on the face of the earth, on the face of the land, uh, man and animals and creeping things and birds of heaven, for I'm sorry that I've made them, but Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. So this text begins here, and the Lord looks down upon the condition, the heart, the culture the attitude of man. And it says there that the wickedness of man was great upon the earth. This word wickedness in the Hebrew is ra. And what the word means is it means a wickedness or an evil that takes you to the place of a broken or severed relationship. This is important. We're going to see that this is very important later on in the sermon today. But that's the kind of wickedness that was running rampant throughout the days of Noah. It was a wickedness that was breaking fellowship with God. People were far from God because they'd allowed evil and wickedness to take over their hearts and it led them astray and it separated them from the goodness and the greatness of God. It's an impurity that leads to a broken or a severed relationship. Some of you may be here this morning or listening from home, and there's some sort of sin that you've allowed to creep into your life. And maybe it started small, but it's festering, and it's growing, and it's stinking, and it's beginning to soil and to saturate your life. And what that sin is doing, what that moral impurity is doing in your life is it's causing a broken or severed relationship between you and God. And the only way that that can be addressed, the only way that you can make that right is if you repent, if you turn from that sin so that that relationship with God that is severed today because of your sin, so that that relationship can be restored and that intimacy can be healed. You have no one to blame but yourself this morning if you feel far from God. The only reason we are far from God is because we allow our hearts to wander and to follow after the things of the world. So it says there that the wickedness of man was great on the earth and that every intention and thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. The thoughts and the intentions of the heart. In Hebrews chapter 4, the author of Hebrews says this. He says, for the word of God is living, it is active, it's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of the soul and the spirit, the joints and the marrow. It's a discerner. It's discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. This is what the power of God's word does. Verse 13, and no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. God's word is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. In Noah's day, the thoughts and the intents of the heart were only wicked, evil, continually, all the time. God's word exposes that, right? And we're all naked or exposed and open to the one to whom one day we're going to have to stand before and give an account for every word we've spoken, every deed we've done. That day is coming. That day of reckoning is coming for each of us. Are you prepared for that? 
See, in John chapter 3, Jesus said that this is what condemnation, this is the result of condemnation. It's because people love darkness more than light. They would flee from the light because they wanted to enjoy their sin and the darkness by themselves. They would prefer to suffer separated from God in that form of sin than to come into the light and to be relieved of that sin, to be forgiven of that sin, and to be set free. I wonder where your heart is this morning. You cannot hide from God. Everything is naked and open to him to whom we will one day give an account. You cannot hide your sin. And you think you might be in a crevice, in a corner, in darkness, and that God does not see, but God sees your heart. In Genesis chapter 6, again, he sees wickedness running rampant upon the earth, that it was great on all of the earth, and every intention and thought of the heart was evil continually. God saw their hearts and had to judge because of it. In the same way God looks down from his throne today, he sees your heart. What does he see when he sees your heart? So there's these wickedness, the thoughts and the intents of the heart. It's evil continually. Have you guys been watching what's going on in our news cycles today? It's crazy. I want to show you a few screen grabs here real quick. These are just some articles that I looked at yesterday. I'm not trying to cherry pick these things. These were on Fox News yesterday. So here's the first one. This is just from yesterday, okay? I'm not trying to cherry pick. I just went through. What does the news cycle say? Illinois, minors can get abortions without parental consent or notification after Dem Governor Pritzker signs repeal. That you can, as a minor, go and receive an abortion without your parents being notified or your parent having to give consent in Illinois. This is thoughts and intents being continually evil in our culture today. Look at this next one. Just to give you a flavor of what's happening in our world, Gavin Newsom's plan to stop California's smash and grab thefts, $300 million for local law enforcement. Have you guys watched these things that people are breaking in and they're having these like flash mobs and they're going and they're just stealing all that they can? Lawlessness is abounding, okay? Look at this next one. At least 16 cities see record homicides in 2021. And if you go and you read this article, these are big cities. These are not like little podunk cities. These are big cities. This is what's happening in our culture. Jesus said this when he was preaching the Olivet Discourse on the end times. He says, just like it was in the days of Noah, so will it be when the Son of Man comes. People will be eating and drinking and giving in marriage. It's going to be like this. They're going to be doing evil continually. Evil will always be in the heart, will be on the hearts of people. This is what our world will look like right before the return of Christ, Jesus says. Can we not see this happening today? Jesus said in Matthew chapter 24, verse 12, he says, And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. We're experiencing this today. And it grieves God's heart. I want you to look at this word here. Verse 6, Genesis chapter 6. And the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him to his heart. This word grieve, it speaks of a physical pain and an intense emotional distress. Do you realize that your sin grieves God's heart? I don't want to be found ever in a place where my attitude, my heart attitude, my actions are grieving the people that I love. I don't want my words that I say when I come home at the end of the day to scar my wife or my children. How much more so should we desire to safeguard the heart of the Lord, the spirit of God, and to not grieve him? Here in this case, he felt an intense emotional sorrow and even physical pain because of the condition of the hearts of men. 
right? So there's this grieving process that is there that's happening in the Lord. And it says that he wanted to just blot them out, verse 7. So the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I've created from the face of the earth. I'm just going to erase man and the animals and the creeping things and the birds. I'm going to just start over. For I'm sorry that I've made them. The word sorry in Hebrew is translated sick. He's sick with sorrow, physically became ill. That's what this word speaks of. It's a physical illness or sickness. It means to take your breath away, to be left breathless. Like when you're hit in the gut. Have you ever been in a fight and you get hit right in the stomach and you just, you can't breathe. It's like you're gasping for air. That in the Hebrew, that's what this is speaking of, this sorrow. It's like God's breath was taken away because what he had created to be good and perfect and pure was so tainted and destroyed by this time that he literally was physically ill. He says, I'm sorry that I've done this, and I just want to erase what I've done because man has become so wicked. But in the midst of that, in the midst of that intense grief or sorrow, verse 8 says, but Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. The word favor there in the Hebrew is hen, just like a chicken and a hen. And it means grace, that Noah found grace or compassion, sympathy in the eyes of the Lord. In the midst of all of this wickedness, in the midst of all of this heartache, in the midst of all of this terrible thing that are happening across the face of the earth, God wanting to start over, there was one man who caught God's attention. And the word says that Noah, in the eyes of God, he found grace in God's eyes. God wanted to grace Noah because he was different than the rest of the culture, than the rest of the landscape. Read on with me, verse 9. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless. The word blameless means complete. It means healthy. It means whole. And his generation, Noah walked with God, halek. In Hebrew, it means to be led by, it means to follow, it means to hold the hand and to be led through life. This is the way Noah walked with God. He was truly led by God's spirit. He asked God before he made a decision. He waited upon the Lord before he spoke. He wanted to make sure that what he did in his life was a reflection of the glory of God. He walked with God, and because he was walking with God, God took notice of this. God saw this and said, I want to grace you above everyone else. See, in today's day and age, it might be pretty frustrating from time to time to look around and just to see the wicked. The wicked are prospering. And they're getting away with their sin. And it seems like the further time goes, the more wicked they become. God is watching. He sees the intents of their heart. Judgment is coming, but he's also watching for the blameless. He's also watching for the righteous. He's also watching for the one willing to be led by his spirit. And if you are willing to be the one to be led by that spirit, he will bless you with grace. Do you want grace in your life? Then you need to start walking with God. There is no shortcut. There's no way around it. That is the solution. You walk with God, you receive grace. Grace is waiting for you in that moment. So Noah, walk with God. Look at verse 11. The earth was corrupt in God's sight. The earth was filled with violence. God saw the earth and behold, it was corrupt for all the flesh had corrupted their way of the earth. And God said to Noah, I have determined to make an end of all flesh for the earth is filled with violence through them. Behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make for yourself an ark of gopher wood. Make rooms in the ark and cover it inside and outside with pitch. 
Now, this is where this gets interesting. This gopher wood, and the word in Hebrew is spelled G-O-P-E-R, gopher. And there isn't really a gopher wood that archaeologists or historians can find. They translate this oftentimes cypress trees because cypress trees had some sort of a resin or sap that would kind of be used as a sealant for the wood. And so they they don't really know what gopher wood is, but it's there in the original writings, right? It's there in the original Hebrew. So what is gopher wood? What does this equate to? What does this wood really look like? And so again, they're just assuming it's some sort of a resinous, sticky type of wood that would be suitable to maybe be pliable enough to make the ark and also a little bit of water resistance because the world's going to be judged by water. But if you read on in the original language, the two next words that I want to look at there, the first one is cover. He says, I want you to make for yourself an ark of gopher wood, make rooms in the ark and cover it. That word cover is copper in the Hebrew, K-A-P-A-R, kapar in Hebrew. And the word literally means to somehow make some sort of a covering. It means to make a purge. It means to conceal. So I want you to take some wood that covers and that conceals. And then the next word we're going to look at is the word pitch, which again is very similar in the original language. It's coper instead of kapar. It's coper. And the word means to make atonement for. It means to make a covering for. So what is actually being said here in the original language is I want you to take some gopher wood And this wood, I want to make sure, is a wood that covers and conceals and makes atonement for. You go and you find wood that is suitable to cover, to purge, to conceal, and to make atonement. And I want you to construct the ark that will save you and your family. I want you to construct it out of that kind of wood, out of wood that makes atonement. What is the ultimate wood that makes atonement for you and for me, for our sins? It is the cross of Christ, is it not? Here we have this beautiful picture way back in Genesis chapter 6 at the flood of the cross that is to come. God is saying, I want you to be ready. Eventually there will be a cross that will be constructed from atoning wood, wood that conceals and covers and purges sin. But until then, you need to come into this ark so that your sin, the wickedness can be covered and that you can be spared from judgment a beautiful picture that we have of the cross. In Leviticus chapter 17, it says this, for the life is in the flesh, is in the blood. I have given it for you on the altar to make atonement or kapar for your souls. It is the blood that makes atonement for life, right? So blood will make atonement, right? Again, another foreshadowing, another type of the cross, which is to come. Go find some atonement wood, Right? I've given blood for you to make atonement. The only way your sin will really truly ever be covered, purged, concealed, atoned for is when blood is applied. There has to be a blood that is applied. Hebrews chapter 9 says this, Indeed, under the law, almost everything is purified with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. Jesus' blood is the ultimate atoning sacrifice. Jesus' blood is the ultimate atonement for yours and for my sin. Now, skip forward to Genesis chapter 7 with me. Look at what 
It says here, the Lord said to Noah, go into the ark, you and your household, for I have seen that you are righteous before me in this generation. And take with you seven pairs of all clean animals, male and his mate, and pair of animals that are not clean, the male and his mate, and seven pairs of the birds of the heavens, also male and female, to keep their offspring alive on the face of the earth. For in seven days I will send rain on the earth, 40 days and 40 nights, and every living thing that I've made I will blot out, or I will erase from the face of the ground, and Noah did all that the Lord had commanded him. There came a point where it was time for judgment. And God comes to Noah and he says to Noah, Noah, the earth is going to be judged. It will rain for 40 days, 40 nights. Everything will be wiped out. Everything will be erased. But you can be safe if you will come into the ark. Come in through that ark. Come into that door. Come into the atoning wood. Come in to the finished work of the cross. Come in to the finished work of Christ. Now, it's interesting because Noah's name, the root of his name in Hebrew means rest. His name literally means to rest or to be at rest or to be at peace. And the only way you're going to find rest in this life is if you come into the ark, is if you come to the cross. If you come to the atoning finished work of those wood beams, Jesus is our ark. Now, Noah being a form of rest, I want to encourage you with this this morning. Because for some of us in the room who've been walking with the Lord for some time now, we've traded our sin for religion. And what I mean by that is at one point in time, right, we were in the world living like the world, doing what the world did, but then we came to understand that there was someone who gave their life for us. We surrendered our hearts to Jesus. We began to walk with the Lord in a way we didn't walk with the Lord before, but somewhere along the line, even that got perverted, and we started trying to earn our salvation. We became very religious, and we believe that our worth is based upon what we offer to God, that not based upon what God offered for us. Both are wrong. If you're here this morning and you have a Pharisee's heart, the attitude of a Pharisee, you need to repent. You also need to find rest. Rest is needed for both the sinner and the religious. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11. He says, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden, it's light. The apostle Paul was a man who was trying to live a righteous life, trying to earn his way into God's presence. And in Philippians chapter 3, he comes to this point in his life and he says, look, I've done it all. I've, as far as like the Hebrew religion, the Hebrew culture, I performed it all. I did everything the, just the way I was supposed to do. But I came to this point in my life, and if, I want you to read this, it'll be on the screen. He says this in Philippians chapter 3, beginning in verse 8. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I've suffered the loss of all things. I count them as rubbish. It's worthless. All that I used to live for, all of my past religious duties, all of those ways I tried to earn God's favor, it's trash. It's a heaping pile of trash, garbage. It's all rubbish so that I might gain Christ. Look at this. Verse 9, and be found in him, and be found in the ark, and be found at the foot 
of two beams of the cross and be found in atoning woodwork. To be found in him, not having a righteousness which is my own, which comes from the law by keeping my rules, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I might know him and the power of his resurrection and share in his sufferings, becoming like unto him in his death. None of the way I used to live matters anymore. All that matters now is that I've been found in him and in his righteousness. I've come into the safety and the security of the ark. I found my rest in the ark. Thanks for tuning in for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church in Imperial Valley. Christ Community Church has campuses in El Centro, Calexico, and Brawley, with services in English and in Spanish. Your kids are going to love our kids' church. Plus, we have a lively youth ministry and young adults group. You're welcome to call the church office at 760-337-9400 with your questions. Or leave us a message on the Christ Community Church IV mobile app, the cccivorg website, or direct message us on social media. We are really looking forward to meeting you. So again, the website is www.cccivorg or call 760-337-9400 so we can plan your visit.